When you try and try and just can't seem to do anything right in your relationship, maybe it's not you. Maybe something more covert is going on. If this sounds all too familiar, head over to loveandabuse.com and download the Mean Workbook today. Are you annoyed by affirmations? Are you tired of that same old rehashed personal growth advice that all seems to boil down to think positively and all your problems will go away? If affirmations feel like lies and positive thinking feels like denial, then I want you to get ready. The Overwhelmed Brain is here to help you create the life you want now. Hello and welcome to the show. It's The Overwhelmed Brain. My name is Paul Coliani. It's 2019. I'm happy to be here. I'm recording from a new home studio, so I'm going to work out some bugs. <laughs> I'm a personal empowerment coach, and this is the show where I help you tackle life's toughest challenges. I want to help you increase your emotional intelligence, strengthen your self-worth and self-esteem, and empower you so that you can make decisions that are right for you. Everything I talk about on this show is my personal opinion and is meant for informational and educational purposes only. Always consult a medical or psychological professional before making any changes that could affect your mental or physical health. All right, like I said, I'm recording in a new home studio. If you are on Instagram or Facebook, you probably saw a picture of it. So for all of you who are commenting or just noticing that, uh, I want to say hi, hello, good to see you, good to connect with you. I'm glad to be able to connect with you there. And if you're not on Facebook or Instagram, I, I hope you get a chance to stop by there and take a look. Uh, you can see where I record from. Like somebody commented, hey, now we get to see the other side, <laughs> the other side of the recording. And uh, that's what it looks like. So thanks for joining me today. Like I said, it is 2019, a new year. I got a new, uh, I got a new home for those of you who've been following along. We did close about a week and a half ago and uh, we're very happy and very busy. <laughs> very busy finding little things that we didn't see before closing. So that's interesting too. Uh, let me get straight to the subject matter, which is an interesting relationship issue. And this issue has to do with, um, how can I say this nicely? A freeloader. <laughs> if you've ever had a freeloader in your life, you know what I mean. If you haven't, let's just say that uh, someone sticks around and doesn't really help out, doesn't really pay, and just expects you to do everything and uh, doesn't mind. These are the type of people that, uh, in my opinion, can be very annoying because you start building resentment because they're not doing anything. That's if you haven't said anything to them. I'm trying to think if I've ever been a freeloader. I don't think so. I, I was with my mom for a period of time after my marriage and um, I was conserving. I was saving money. I was also paying for some bills, but I was doing my best to save money and it was for a finite period of time. And so, you know, any one of us could go through a period of time where we need help, where we don't have a job, we don't have any money coming in, we need a place to stay. Any one of us could go through that. And that's perfectly fine in my book. It's when it becomes habitual. It's when it becomes consistent and repetitive that something needs to change. Something needs to give. Somebody needs to be a contributing member in some way. And so we're going to talk about that. I'm going to read you an email uh, momentarily. But first I'll say this. I have an opinion on this. I think when someone freeloads, I think when someone takes advantage of you and they don't contribute, they don't do their part, 
I think what's happening is that a lot of us have an inherent liking of being taken care of. A lot of us have an inherent wanting for all of our necessities to be handled. I mean, maybe not everyone, but you know, I could speak for myself. If somebody came along and said, hey, I'll buy all your food, I'll pay for all your gas, I'll lend you this car, you can stay in my home, and uh, you don't have to pay for anything, and you can sit around and watch TV all day, which I probably wouldn't do, but I would have the free time to do so if I so chose. What do you think of that? Of course, I would ask, what's the catch? I don't want to stay in a situation that I'm being bamboozled into, but um, that would be an enticing offer. You know, if I was single and all that, I mean, I have my girlfriend here and we have a new house. And of course, that's not what I would do now. But uh, I think about the younger days when that would have been hugely enticing. And when you think about that, all your necessities are taken care of. All your bills are being paid. You're getting fed. You're getting sheltered. That's pretty enticing. And all we need to do is to find someone to enable that. All we need to do is find someone that takes care of us in that way. It's like being a child. You don't have too many responsibilities as a child, so your parents or your caretakers take care of you in that way. Not all of them did a good job, I know, but uh, that's what it feels like. If you're in a normal, healthy relationship growing up, you're probably being taken care of. You're probably being fed. You're probably being nurtured. You're being supported. And um, it feels pretty good. And you just go outside and play. That's something that kind of sticks with us, in my opinion. And what has to happen is there needs to be some sort of nudge in us to motivate us to not fall into that trap. Like I remember um, I was on unemployment for a while back in 2010 or so. And um, after about, I don't know how many months, six, eight months, I realized how easy it was. I realized how good it felt to have money come in without having to work. And I felt really bad. I felt really bad about myself. Not only that, I I also knew that it would eventually expire. But I felt really bad that I was just getting money and not doing anything for it. I mean, it felt good. It felt easy. But at the same time, I felt like I was taking advantage of something that I shouldn't be taking advantage of. Now, I was out of work. It was definitely needed. But I could feel myself being compelled to want to work, even though way inside, I didn't want to work. (laughs) I could admit this. I didn't want to work. It was a lot easier taking unemployment. And I'm not saying that anyone taking unemployment is taking advantage of a system. I'm saying that the system is there, at least in the U.S., uh, for people that need it when they need it. And some people take advantage of it. Some people go for years on unemployment. I didn't want to be one of those people. I'm not putting you down if you've ever done that. I'm just saying I didn't want to be one of those people. And so I decided that I wasn't going to be one of those people. I decided that I need to find work because I don't want to, A, get used to this, If I get used to it, then going back to work is going to be a lot harder. And it was. It was harder going back to work after being on unemployment for that long. And B, I didn't want to freeload. I didn't want to be that person. And some people can do that. Some people find it easier. But I tell you what, what works for the freeloader to get the freeloader off your resource system, to get them away from you, 
is accountability and consequence. And I talk about this a lot in relationships. When someone isn't doing their part, when someone isn't being equal, when someone is not showing up in a way that makes you feel like they are uh, involved in a partnership, then there needs to be consequences for them. Otherwise, they won't want to change. And I wish when I was married, my wife gave me those consequences early on. I wish she said, hey, you know what? If you don't stop judging me, because I was judgmental in my relationship and I did not make her feel good about herself. I made her feel bad. And I've talked about that on other episodes, so I'm not going to rehash it now. But um, I've healed from a lot of that and I've gotten past that. But I wish she had made more consequences. And I'm not pushing this on her. I'm saying that, you know, for my sake, I wish she had done it. Because what it did when she finally, like seven or eight years later, after we connected and got married, uh, she finally decided that she'd had enough. She was falling out of love with me and, or she fell out and she wanted a divorce. And uh, that was hard. And when she decided that she wanted to separate and get a divorce, that's when I felt compelled to change. Actually, I think the separation came first. We, she, she wanted to separate. And when we were separated, that's when I felt compelled to change. The divorce was after having changed and having healed through a lot of stuff, but she had already fallen out of love with me. So it was too late then. So when we separated, I felt compelled to change. I felt compelled to make myself a better person, to kick myself in the butt and say, I need to change. Otherwise, I'm going to lose this relationship just like I've lost every other relationship in my life. I did lose that relationship still, but the separation was enough to kick me into gear, to do something, to improve, to heal, to work on myself so that I didn't fall under my own self-sabotage again. Because that's what I kept doing. I kept sabotaging myself because I thought it was okay to be me. (laughs) And I promote that. I, I think it's great when you can be yourself. However, how are you showing up? Is the other person unhappy? Is the other person feeling blamed or inferior to you because that you make them feel bad? Are you making them feel stupid? Are you making them feel something that um, they don't want to feel? And it's funny, I'm going to read an email at the end of this episode that talks about you can't make anyone feel anything. I have some opinions on that. We'll talk about that. But um, when there's emotional abuse in a relationship, yes, you can make someone feel a certain way through your actions because they're attached, they're connected, they're bonded with you. And there's a certain amount of faith and trust in what you say. And when somebody has that, there's a certain way you can steer their emotional state. And when you steer it in a way that makes them feel bad, that makes them feel like they have low worth or low lovability or no lovability, they can spiral downhill and your relationship could start to disintegrate really fast like mine did. And, you know, it goes nowhere and then it fizzles out. And then what? Once it fizzles out, once the love is gone, the disconnect is there and you can't always get it back. A lot of the times you you really can't get it back because there's just so much hurt for so long and it's just, it's just impossible to get back to back on track and you might need a break or you might need a complete separation indefinitely. And wherever that goes is where it needs to go. But coming back to um, what I was saying about getting that kick in the butt, 
getting that nudge to stop being, well, for me, it was being judgmental and emotionally abusive. But for the freeloader, they need the same thing. For someone who's taking advantage of you, for someone who is using you to better themselves, but you get nothing from it. In fact, you have to work harder because your energy is being spent not only for you on yourself, but on them as well. And it's not being returned. It's not being, your energy is not being reimbursed. When you spend energy on them, how do you get it back? What happens with a lot of people that are getting taken advantage of is that they are giving a lot of their time and energy and effort and even money and um, a bunch of other resources to someone else, but there's no return. There's no return on their investment. It's a lot different when there's a return on the investment. If I give you money and you clean my kitchen, (laughs) there's a return on the investment. I'm not saying that that's how it has to be, but you get the point. But if I give you money and you stay in my basement and play video games all day, there's no return for me. You benefit from all of this and I benefit how? Because you exist. There needs to be more. This doesn't work with every relationship. Of course, a parent-child relationship is a lot different or a caretaker and someone who needs caretaking, um, seniors, disabled, and other people that require caretaking and such. But generally speaking, when someone's taking advantage of you, you have to look at the balance. You have to look at your return on your investment. Not that every relationship has to be uh, a this for that kind of thing. Not that every relationship has to be, you must reciprocate or I won't be in this relationship. I'm only talking about the ones that uh, you build resentment because you're always doing something or paying for something and they're never doing it. Or they do it once every six months. It's just not an equal thing. So this is a great thing to talk about um, because I'm sure there's a lot of people listening now that are going through it. If you're going through it, stay tuned because this is the episode for you. If you're not going through it, but you know somebody who is, or you have been through it and you want to know maybe how it could have been handled, or you want to know um, my, my thoughts on it, then stick around. We'll be right back. Welcome back. I'm going to read you a few sentences from this uh, email that I received, and it's going to talk about this person that is freeloading. I don't think she used that term. I think I did, but uh, it'll reveal itself as I read through this. Uh, She says, hi, Paul. I'm hoping you'll share your thoughts with me and offer some practical ways to save myself from a ridiculous and embarrassing relationship situation. I met my boyfriend over 10 years ago through online dating. He's always complimented me on being positive, making him laugh, and being good at paying our bills, lol. I'm very responsible. I liked his free spirit, his love of nature, and I wanted desperately to be in a relationship. I foolishly bought a house with him after he estimated or just lied about his income. Result, I have been burdened with working all hours to pay all the bills for 10 years, and he's still unable to contribute to our lives, despite basically being a kept man. A few years ago, I discovered that he sent nude pictures to random women. 
stupid me, angry for a while, then forgiving. His explanation was that he felt lonely because I was away working most of the week, something I wouldn't have to do if he would contribute to the bills. Despite job offers, he managed to find work for only a short period of time, but complained about his boss, his hours, everything. I know I have enabled this behavior by being responsible and ensuring bills were paid, which left me unable to save, buy clothes, go on retreats, do anything nice for myself. I hoped he would remember that he has a mortgage and debts to pay and would take any work to help. I really resent him to the point that I begrudge him eating everything, and he eats a lot. I feel like a bad person for thinking this way, but at the same time, I feel angry at him and myself. I'm embarrassed that I've been such a passive participant in my misery, and I just want out now. I discovered that he joined an online dating site this year, and again he said he was feeling lonely. I need to overcome my need to be nice and make difficult decisions to save my emotional and financial life. I feel absolutely drained by this relationship. I am in the process of trying to sell our house now because I want to leave him, and I told him it's because we can't afford it. I really can't afford it anymore. I need to get away and look after myself. It's weird. I want to break up, but I don't know how to say it and be done. I seem to be incrementally leaving him by selling up and withdrawing from him. This is immature, right? There's so much more I could write, but space is limited. How do I untangle myself from this guy nicely? Any tips for better boundaries with men and my finances? bonus question. Am I the dumbest woman in the world? Okay, I'm going to call you Kathy. Kathy, thank you so much for writing this. Let me answer your last question. You're not the dumbest woman in the world. I haven't met that person yet. (laughs) And you're not that person. Uh, In fact, let me say what you are. And I'm going to say this out of love and respect. You are just not authentically compassionate. Now, before you interpret what I mean there, uh, compassion starts within you, not outside of you. You have to be compassionate to yourself in order to be authentically compassionate with anyone else. So I am saying that you're not dumb. You're just not authentically compassionate. You need to start being compassionate toward yourself. And I think you are. I'm saying this because uh, I think what I've read here tells me that you are being compassionate towards yourself in a lot of ways, but not enough. Because someone who's authentically compassionate toward themselves is going to save themselves from the misery and the suffering that you're going through now. I know it's a process. I know there's a lot involved here. There's a house involved here. There's feelings involved here, but we'll talk about that in a moment. Let's look at you not necessarily being a dummy, <laughs> you're just not authentically compassionate toward yourself because here's what's going to happen. When you start being authentically compassionate toward yourself, you're going to do whatever it takes to love you, to keep you out of harm's way, to see what's bad for you and remove what's bad for you, to take out the toxicity from your life so that you are a happier, healthier, whole person. You're going to do that. You have not been compassionate, at least authentically compassionate, to the point where you are taking care of yourself fully. Now, I say that knowing that you've tried, maybe even knowing that you are, because here are the steps you're taking. You are starting the process of leaving. You are starting the process of selling him out of your life. 
great. That is many good steps in the right direction. So I applaud you for that. Because yes, he is freeloading. We're talking about freeloading. He is the typical example of a freeloader. You do all the work, you bring all the money, and I'll do whatever I want. In fact, I don't even care about your feelings, so I'm going to go onto an online dating site and look for other people to spend my time with while you pay for everything. When that continues and you know it's happening, how are you going to treat yourself? You know, one of the things that you said uh, earlier in your message was, I know I have enabled this behavior by being responsible and ensuring bills were paid, which left me unable to save, buy clothes, go on retreats and do anything nice for myself. So let me also say something with love and respect for you is that you were not being responsible. You were being irresponsible. When you know someone is taking advantage of you, not only are you allowing that behavior to continue, but you're also being irresponsible to your self-worth and your self-esteem. It's like saying, I don't like myself enough to pursue consequences for him. Instead, I'll take the brunt of the consequences because I would rather be nice to a person who doesn't respect me enough to want to be an equal contributor in the relationship. I would rather be nice to a person who doesn't respect me. I would rather be nicer to the person that doesn't care enough about me to want to contribute than to be nice enough to myself to do whatever it takes to kick this person in the pants and get him going and get him motivated to do whatever it needs to be done, like forcing him to get a job or kicking him out of the house. I know it probably can't be done. You're both on the mortgage and you you have things to work out there. I, I don't know the your situation there, but there needs to start to be consequences and real ones. And now I have a feeling that you're the type of person that doesn't like conflict, that doesn't want to approach him and say, this is what needs to happen or else. This is the type of person you have to be with this kind of person because Just like when I was married and I was judgmental and I was hurtful to my wife, the only thing that made me a better person was the or else. That was it. I'm telling you right now, there are some people that will not do anything until you give them an or else. Once you give them the or else, then the consequences start to permeate their brain. They're thinking, Oh, geez, uh, she's serious. Uh, Well, I I better do something. Otherwise, I'll lose this cushy place that I'm in. I'll lose this position that I'm in. I'll I'll lose this partnership that I'm in. Or I'll lose this opportunity that, that I have that I'm taking advantage of. They may not think those words. But I tell you what, when I got the or else from my wife, I was motivated. (laughs) I was motivated to move my butt. I was motivated to do something different with my life and with my wife and in my relationship just because I knew now it's real. He doesn't think it's real. He didn't think any of this. Anything that you say is not real because you're still there. You've heard me say this on the show before. If you haven't, keep listening. Listen to every single episode because this is what happens. It happens in emotionally abusive relationships. It happens in relationships where things just aren't equal. There's no reciprocation or very little reciprocation or one feels power and dominance over the other person. It happens in all kinds of relationships, usually the unhealthy ones, usually the more toxic than not ones where there is not enough consequence or accountability for the person to change. And that consequence or accountability usually has to do with something they will lose, something they don't want to lose. 
And if you are the person that sticks around in the relationship and that is the only thing they fear losing, then they will never do anything different because they always have what they want. So this is something I want to drill into your head is that as long as you are with him in any capacity, you will probably never, ever see change in him. If this doesn't motivate you to be self-compassionate to the fullest, authentically compassionate to yourself so that you don't get stuck with someone taking advantage of you, so that you aren't with someone who apparently doesn't love you, at least by my definition, because when you love someone, you support their happiness. If he can't see that you're unhappy, either you're not expressing it in a way that's serious, or he knows you're unhappy and he just doesn't care. So express it in a way that's serious with consequences. You have to do this. You have to be this person. If not, then you are doing yourself a disservice. It is like you saying to yourself, I'm not important. I'm not worthy. I don't care if people don't care about me. I don't care if people take advantage of me. I want you to start reframing the words that come out of your mouth. Instead of saying, he does this to me. He is doing this. He is causing these problems. I want you to look at yourself, point the finger at yourself and ask yourself, how am I creating this? How am I contributing to this? What am I doing that keeps him here? Well, then you get into the deeper questions where you say, do I love myself enough to stop this once and for all? That's a deep question because if you say no, you got some work to do. I know there are people out there that have trouble fully embracing and loving themselves, but you got to work on this stuff. This is what happens. This is how toxic relationships stick around is that we often don't, and this is going to sound terrible, love ourselves enough to get out of it in any way, shape, or form. It's terrible because that's not always true. It's not exactly what I mean. I mean, I think there are people that really love themselves and want to be happy, but are in a relationship. They feel stuck and they can't get out of it. They've tried everything. They don't know what to do. And so they just keep going day to day with what they have. Plus there's many things that tie us down. There's this house that we have together. There may be kids, maybe not for you, Kathy, but there may be kids. There may be businesses together. There's all kinds of things that really start locking us in and we feel so trapped. But I tell you what, when you get to the point where you love yourself and are compassionate to yourself and respectful of yourself and know that you are worthy of much more than what you're getting when you're in a bad situation, you'll do anything it takes, even if it means losing things that you are attached to. I don't mean kids, but just like you're saying, Kathy, with your house, if you didn't say you were selling your house, then I would be asking you if that would, that was an option. Not saying you have to, not saying you should. I'm just wondering what you're willing to do for the sake of loving yourself, for the sake of your own happiness. But if I use my house, I'll be unhappy. Well, if you stay in the situation you are in now, um, will you ever be happy? If that never changes, will you ever be happy? Because if your answer is no, then something else has to change. Something else must change so that you can move forward. Something else has to be different. And you have to look at what you're not giving up and what you're willing to give up. And a lot of times what happens is that people aren't willing to give up certain things so they stay in the situation they're in. And staying in that situation is in the long term a lot worse 
you know, in many cases. And so you get to the point where you're just unhappy all the time. Whereas, oh no, if I lose my house, I'm going to be really unhappy, but that'll pass because you're no longer in this relationship and so on and so on and so on. Again, I'm not saying that you need to sell your house. I'm not telling anyone that you need to make any sacrifices like that whatsoever. All I'm saying is that the answers for you come when you get to the point where you are sick of being mistreated because you know you're worth more. You know you're worthy. You know you're important. You know you're significant. And you know you are lovable and worthy of respect, which you are. And the answers will come when you embrace that. So yes, I'm telling you to point the finger at yourself and really start to embrace that you are all these things and more. And if anyone treats you any less than that, then how are you going to respond to make sure that you get the treatment that you deserve? So the answers come from that. So Kathy, I hope this helps. I hope this helps anyone listening that might be in a situation where they feel like they're being taken advantage of. And I know it's tough and I know you have to deal with this at a much different level than me commenting on it from the outside because there's so many feelings and attachments and so much history, but this is where it's okay to be selfish and come back into yourself and ask yourself what's best for you. And not only is it best for you, it's also best for the people that end up leaving your life or being held accountable, having the consequences come to them. Because had my wife not done that to me, had she not said, you have to change or else, I mean, she didn't use those words, but that's what it felt like. You have to change or else. Had she not done that, I would never have changed. I would never have thought about it because she was always there. So there were never any consequences. But as soon as the threat of her absence was real, as soon as that was on the table, it totally motivated me to change. And sometimes that's what people need. He could turn into the greatest guy ever if you kicked him in the pants so hard that he realized, wow, I could lose a lot. I could lose a lot in this relationship. I better buckle up. I better do something else than what I'm doing. And he could turn into a you know, half decent guy. We'll see. I don't know. You have to tell me. But you may never find out unless you are serious about this. And like I said, my, my wife did me a favor. Almost always, this is the favor that you can do for someone else is by saying, this is enough. I've had enough. This needs to change or else. This needs, it has to. There are certain situations that when you think about, is this going to stay this way for the rest of my life? And if it does, would I be okay with it? If your answer is no, then it needs to change or else. Or you just have to leave. And hopefully you can communicate better when you're gone. I don't know. Usually find out who somebody is after you've given them a consequence so big that they don't know how to handle it, you find out who they really are. Because if he comes back and says, well, you're just a B-I-T-C-A and, and I take you to court and I'll do this and I'll do that, he might do all that stuff, but at least he revealed himself and this is the person you've been living with all this time and was he just putting on an act? I don't know. These are the things you find out when you give these consequences. It is scary. Okay, here's the big consequence. What's going to happen now? This is where you have to step into yourself and know that you want better for yourself. Again, that's where the answers are. I hope this helps, Kathy. Thank you so much for writing. And thanks for listening to another episode. We'll be right back. I'll say my goodbyes and some thank yous and my final words after this.
Thank you for listening to another episode of The Overwhelmed Brain. I want to remind you to go to loveandabuse.com if you think you're in one of those difficult relationships and you just can't seem to figure out where the problem is. You can't pinpoint what is causing it. This workbook contains a 200-point assessment that helps you determine exactly what's going on in your relationship. Go to loveandabuse.com and read the bullet points, see if that resonates with your relationship, and download the meaning workbook to help guide you through a difficult situation. And I want a special thank you to Janet who reached out to me during my move and decided to donate. (laughs) Janet, thank you so much. My move has taken a lot of energy and even brain cells from me and uh, it's been rough. And so to receive your donation and everyone, everyone that donates through the patron program and everyone that donates through the donation link on the overwhelmedbrain.com. I appreciate you. I just wanted to give a special shout out to Janet because uh, her donation was very generous and I appreciate you. Thank you so much. And like I said, those of you in the patron program over at patron.theoverwhelmedbrain.com. Thank you as well. Thanks to you, the show goes on. I'm able to set up my office at home to have easier access to everything, to have a nice area to actually create this show and send you this content every week been going on five years now just past the five-year mark very exciting and it's all thanks to everyone that donates through the donation portals that i have and the patron program as well so thank you everyone in the program and everyone that's donated i appreciate you and let me tell you about the safe empowerment system for social anxiety that's coming out this month There's my accountability. (laughs) It's not done yet, but it's coming. And I know people are asking and people have pre-ordered. You can still pre-order it over at theoverwhelmedbrain.com forward slash safe, S-A-F-E. But if you are experiencing social anxiety in any way, shape or form, this may be what you're looking for. I've already recorded with a lot of experts in the field of social anxiety, including a meditation expert on social anxiety, Giovanni Dienstman over at liveanddare.com. Check his site out. He's got a lot of great resources there. And Gina Ryan with the Anxiety Coaches podcast. She's a wonderful person. She's got a great podcast, great voice for anyone suffering with anxiety too. And um, Dr. Bernie Sewell and um, Jordan Harbinger of the Jordan Harbinger Show. And I just finished talking with uh, Justin Malik of Optimal Living Daily, the Optimal Living Daily podcast that you probably heard on my feed because I played one of his episodes on my feed. These are all really, really brilliant people that are talking about social anxiety that I'm that are helping me put this product together and they are all a part of it. And there are more experts involved with their own angles, their own takes, and uh, some of the content that they've given me has been extremely unique and helpful when I tried it on myself. Really good stuff. So keep an eye out for this. This is coming out really soon. It's called the Safe Empowerment System for Social Anxiety. And you can find uh, more details on it at theoverwhelmedbrain.com forward slash safe. It's your emergency anxiety toolkit. And finally, I'd like to thank Kevin McLeod of Incompetech.com for some of the music transitions in the overwhelmed brain. And a couple of things to close the show. One, thank you to everyone who has supported me Well, finding a place to to move. My girlfriend and I have been living together for about four years now, and we decided that we were going to get a house together. I don't know if you know the story. I moved down to Georgia to be with my girlfriend, and uh, we've been together for quite a while, but it wasn't our own place. It was her place, and we decided, you know, let's get something together. Let's start our lives in something that we can both put our heart and money and energy into, and um, let's see where we go from there. 
let's just find something that we can both really connect with and call home. And uh, it took a while and there were a lot of obstacles and it was very challenging in many ways. But um, it has paid off. We're in a home that uh, we love. It's in a nice area and everywhere we look, it needs work. (laughs) I mean, the thing had a lot of work done to it, but we walk in and there's a hole in the wall there and there's a hole in the floor and then that floor is not finished and where's the trim in the closet and every little every corner you turn there's something different but I love it I mean I love being able to invest my time and energy and money into my own place into our own place and so I'm only saying this because there were a lot of people out there rooting for us and um I appreciate you. Thank you for doing that. We are in our new home. I posted a picture of my home studio, or at least a part of it, and it's a work in progress on Facebook and Instagram. So if you want to check that out, go ahead and do that. And it's a lot easier for me to record from home, from my home studio in a quiet neighborhood uh, where I can look out the window and see when the mailman comes. (laughs) So again, thank you for that. And the other thing I want to mention is something I uh, talked about earlier. I said I would uh, read this message that I got and it was from somebody who said, you can't make anyone feel anything. I want you to think about that. Well, I'm inflecting in that way. I don't think this person actually inflected in that way. I'm just kind of having fun with it. But he wrote to me after a newsletter email that I sent out that said, um, what did it say? Any one person can make another person feel loved and supported. That was like one of the main subject lines in the newsletter. And it's in the context that I won't get into now, but it has to do with um, any one person can make another person suffer. And also any one person can make another person feel loved and supported too. And so someone wrote to me and, and said, I wonder if you might reconsider that. He goes on to say, I believe that no one can make anyone feel anything. We create our feelings in response to our thoughts and beliefs. The alternative is to live as victims struggling to survive all the slings and arrows of outrageous fortune. As the saying goes, pain is mandatory, suffering is optional. All the meaning in things is added by us. If we choose to make things mean that we have to suffer, feel bad, live in fear, etc., that is a choice, although usually an unconscious one. And when one becomes aware that the meaning comes from in the inside, not from, quote, out there, then we have a choice about changing our thoughts and beliefs. Without this awareness, we will continue to suffer and live as victims. It is also impossible to, quote, make someone feel loved and supported if they believe they are unlovable and don't deserve support. Their beliefs will filter out and discard all evidence to the contrary. I enjoy your work and I look forward to seeing and hearing your teachings. Thanks for listening. Thank you so much for writing that. And I don't disagree with anything that you said. I love how you wrote it. I tend to favor that kind of thinking. I do believe it serves us to know that no one can make us feel a certain way, that it does come through our own perceptions, our own thoughts, our own idealizations, our own everything. It serves us to have that belief. But I also believe that yes, we can make others feel a certain way. That is very controversial. (laughs) But I say that Because I was in a world of talking to the subconscious mind. I came from that world. And when you are able to figure out how to talk to someone's subconscious mind, 
in a way that makes them think they came up with the thoughts themselves, that's when you can make someone feel a certain way. This is why some relationships start amazing. Some emotionally abusive relationships, they usually start amazing. The other person feels so loved, even if they've felt unlovable before. The other person feels so connected and trusted and attractive and everything positive that they want to feel. Because the other person, I'm going to say it, made them feel that way. I know it's controversial and I know that we could probably dive into this where you could prove to me that that person chose to feel that way. And I would agree. But I teach this, or at least I convey my opinion on this, where someone can make you feel a certain way, uh, because I want you to know that it is possible. Because if you know it's possible, then you start questioning, do I really feel this way? Because if I said that you can make me feel angry, instead of saying, I chose to be angry by what you said, then I might have a tendency to not see where a possible toxic source may be. This might be a bad example, but hear me out. When you are saying or doing something that makes me angry, and it's my choice to be angry or not, which I agree, it's my choice. Does that give you a break because I'm choosing to be angry? Not that I want to be vindictive toward you, but I might want to be more careful around you. Now, the argument might be, well, you can still choose to be angry or not and not be around me. Choose to not be around me. You can still be angry because that's your choice and still choose to walk away from me. Uh, you know, tell me to stick it up my, you know what, <laughs> tell me whatever you want to tell me, do anything you want to do to me, but you do so out of your choice of anger. I can get, I totally understand and even agree with that logic. The only reason I like to often, sometimes often uh, say that someone else can make you feel that way is so that you can be aware that other people can and some other people do manipulate and use your own feelings against you and use your own thoughts against you and know how to make you think something that you believe you're thinking yourself, but actually they planted it there. Coming from the world of hypnosis, I've seen this. I've seen subliminal uh, conversations where someone walks away thinking and feeling a certain way but I know where that feeling came from. Yes, you can trace it back to their own inability to see what's going on in the moment. You can trace it back to uh, the idea that they're just not adept at understanding their own subconscious mind so they don't realize that they're being influenced. But we can all be influenced. If you've never read Robert Cialdini's uh, The Principles of Influence, I highly recommend that book. What you're going to learn there is that there are seven principles of influence. I think I know them all by heart. Let's find out. Reciprocity, scarcity, authority, consistency, consensus, and liking. I'm missing one of the C's. But um, there's all of these principles of influence that when somebody meets them, we are influenced to think and feel a certain way about them or even about ourselves. And the way they show up 
if they are meeting these principles of influence, we are likely to give in and go along with their thought process, which kind of allows us to tune our thought process to that same wavelength, more or less, and can even bypass our own critical filters. So this is a very deep subject and I 100% agree with you. (laughs) And I also say that it is possible. How is that possible? How can you say 100% agree and disagree? Because I have a right to. (laughs) Because I want to. Because some beliefs can serve you and some beliefs can serve you better. I think that it serves me to believe what you said, that I have a choice to feel what I feel. Because that helps me assess what's going on inside of me. It helps me know that I'm responsible for my feelings and that I can find a way to change them or I can find a way to to heal from them. Uh, What's angering me? I can find out the stimulus and find out why that stimulus angers me and process it and heal it and do all that stuff. But what if I said, hey, that person made me angry? Then I have a different perception. I have a different perspective. I can look at that person and go, wow, their purpose was to make me angry. So is this person healthy to have in my life? Is this the kind of behavior that I want in my life? Will it serve me to keep this person in my life? Not that you wouldn't ask those questions anyway, no matter how you think. It's just another perspective. And I found that it can be helpful if you A, know that you are responsible and have a choice in how you feel and B, know that someone else can make you feel a certain way, good or bad. You, you also mentioned in your letter, Um, No one can make you feel loved if you feel unlovable. I disagree. I've seen it happen. I've met people that felt like they were unworthy and unlovable and had a chat with them. And then at the end, they felt worthy. They felt like they could do something different. Now I'm in a different role. I'm in a coaching role. Sometimes this happens with friendships, but mostly it's because I'm in this coaching role. And um, I have an open heart. I, I believe I am compassionate and empathetic toward people. And I listen and I feel like I'm a safe person. They can share things without me judging them. And suddenly it helps them open up. Again, we can go deeper and figure out, okay, where does that originate in them? And it's their choice. But sometimes depending on how we process things, it can go a lot easier one way over another. So I'm not going to disagree with you. And I'm also not going to say that's the only way I believe is the best way to think. But I will say this, I'm going to keep my mind open so that I can step into my power, just like I want you to keep your mind open so that you can step into your power to help you be firm in your decisions and actions. This will help you create the life you want. Always take steps to grow and evolve. You are powerful beyond measure. And above all, and this is something I absolutely know to be true about you, you are amazing.